from the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see McKinneyCompetitions.com. Oh, it's in our mind and we had a fantastic English teacher. It, was like it usually kind of, helps, do not it? Yeah, I mean, it's that classic story, really, of the inspirational English teacher. Uh, for me, it was Paul McAvinci. Um, and he sort of introduced you to a whole world of, of writing, but also of drama, because he was behind the sort of school plays every year. So I, I wasn't doing a creative writing course, but there was one module on the drama degree that was on playwriting, where you actually did have to write something. And so um, everybody wanted to do that course. Um, and so rather than choose on the basis of you know, promise or any talent or anything like that, they literally put everybody in a lecture theatre, put all our names in a hat. Because, you know, our core cast, the, the yeah. sort of police family, will come back every year. Yeah. And so I, I've got to know those actors quite well. Um, you know, an actor like Dan Ryan who's been in the show since day one. And so they they are in my mind, but I'm usually trying to think about well, what haven't we done? That was the voice of the Armagh man who brought you the bay. Dara Carvel is a screenwriter and a playwright. Um, he's best known for the ITV crime series, The Bay. Um, but he's done a host of other things. This is your host Elaine Ingram and today Dara speaks to me about um, his career, how he got where he is today, um, what he loves about his job and uh, the writing process. Well hi Dara, it's lovely, lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you. Um, back home, it's nice to be home. Just here. for a few days, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I come back all the time though, I come back Do you? Every... That's what I was going to ask you, do yeah. you come back a lot? You live in, in Lancaster, yeah? Yes. Um, but uh, we come back to see family, you know, every half term because my kids are still at school. Well, my youngest is still at school, so in primary school or in secondary school. In secondary school, right. so every half term we can come back to see see the family. Yeah, and do you do you miss being here, or you know, do, do you really like living over there? Or are you kind of a bit torn, or? Well, I mean, I don't, I, know, I don't entirely feel like I've left because you know this is still home. It's still you know a big part of me. And we're here all the time, so uh, I don't feel a huge kind of separation. From yeah, and it's only over yeah. the road, so exactly, it's really not, yeah, that, yeah. not that yeah. far. But yeah. it's handy enough getting home yeah, regularly. Mm. Yeah. But so you started out. Um, you're from Armagh, obviously, and I know you. You went to university over in England. You went to Kent, mm. and um, you did drama and film studies there. It was that like a calling for you that that going in that direction or um, was it just something you know you fell into after school, or did you always like to write? It was a calling, I suppose. It was a kind of vocation, not to be too grand about it. But uh, when I was very young, uh, growing up in Armagh, the things that I most loved were um, films, um, TV, comics, books, music. You know, I was always just totally immersed in. Uh, in the arts, really, um, those, that, that's what I was just most fascinated by. And then when I went to secondary school, uh, I went to St. Pat's in Armagh, and 
we had a fantastic English teacher. It, was like it usually kind of, helps, don't it? Yeah, I mean, it's that classic story, really, of the inspirational English teacher. Uh, for me, it was Paul McAvinci. Um, and he sort of introduced you to a whole world of of writing, but also of drama, because he was behind the sort of school plays every year. So um, he sort of gave you permission to think that maybe this was something you could do. As a a real, people, like a real job. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, because you're, you know, you're, you've grew up in a time, because, you know, I think you're around the same age as I am. Mm. And I know for me, it was, it was kind of, you know, get a real job. You know, that's, that yeah. wasn't really a career cho choice. When I grew up, it was like, you know, you can become a secretary, you can become a teacher, you can become a nurse or, you know, whatever. You know, it was, that kind of career wasn't no, really that, something that was... Yeah, I mean, that was definitely there. That sort of perception uh, uh, was definitely there the idea that you should knuckle down and do something proper yeah. <laughs> with your life um but that, i mean that's what was so great about going to the college and meeting paul was that it, that sort of opened up other possibilities so i sort of knew from really well i say i knew um it's not that i knew i was going to do this i knew it, it this was what i wanted to do from you know i was a teenager um so probably i was 15 or something i remember Paul encouraged us to enter a competition, Patrick Kavanagh Poetry Competition. And I wrote a terrible poem uh, when I was 14 or 15 or something about, it was the time of Live Aid. Oh, yeah. And, um, uh, and Ethiopia. And I wrote a poem about the famine, sort of drawing, you know, a connection. Write what you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, it was, um, and, you know, Paul's very influenced by Seamus Haney and uh, like Seamus. Heaney came to the school and so you kind of you met people and Paul Muldoon had gone to our school so they kind of the you sort of encountered at uh, through through Paul McAvinci and through sort of studying at uh, English at, at the college you sort of encountered people who were writing as a living and um, so I wrote this poem and I, I didn't win the competition, but I think I came second. So it wasn't a bad poem then at all, you're just saying well, that. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, it was you know, probably cringy if I was to look at it now, but it was the beginning of something for me. Mm. So uh, not least because I won 30 pounds for it, oh, you know, 30 punts, and that was, you know, that was big money back in 1984 or whatever it was. Um, and so from there, I kind of, that's, that's just what I wanted to do. I wanted to write. I, I, I'd always known I wanted to do something kind of artistic. So I also drew and painted and, you know, and those were really the only things I was interested in. Uh, I was terrible at everything. I was really bad at maths and science. Join the club. Yeah, all of, that, <laughs> all of that stuff. So it was kind of fairly, you know, it was, um, this was what I was good at and what I was interested in. So, so yeah, it was a very long answer to, to your question. So, um, by the time I was choosing, you know, where I would, what I would do next, um, I very much wanted to study film and drama because those were the areas that I was really, really passionate about, and that's what I did. And I applied and went to to um, Canterbury. Yeah, and it took. Yeah, I suppose there were. Uh, that's the thing as well. I know you did to do a master's in Queens afterwards, but there isn't um, a lot of scope, and still, still isn't. My son, I told you, he's he's over mm. you know, around here. It's kind of hard to get into onto those kind of courses, even though in Armagh, I mean, you're surrounded by so many. The, the arts is so huge. 
you know, mm. you're very lucky that you grew up here as well. I know you say because of where you went to school, but it's also all around you. Yeah. I am so artistic, you know, yeah. it really is. It's strange that it's just this sort of hamlet that's, um, you know, hasn't an awful lot of people that come, come out of here that are involved in the arts and are successful in these yeah. areas. Yeah, I mean, I, and it's partly also just, I'm very proud of Armagh and it's a huge part of who I am, just the very fact of coming from this place. And part of that is also, um, you really feel steeped in history in Armagh. I mean, history is all around you. It's kind of written on the landscape with the two cathedrals. And you have a real sense of, um, of a kind of living history. And then in our house, my granny lived with us. And granny was born in like 1890 something. So there was a sense of a kind of depth of history going back for me. So, and that's connected with storytelling as well. So you're surrounded by stories, you're surrounded by history, you're surrounded by culture. Um, so even though, you know, I suppose on, on, on one level, it was, you know, because this was also during the, you know, the worst of the troubles and obviously Armagh was very badly hit. Um, I was born in 1969, so I grew up through all of that. And, you know, Armagh just used to shut down at night, um, you know, like m many times in Northern Ireland. There'd be a kind of ring of steel and yeah, everything, would, yeah. everything would close. Um, and even stuff like, the, you know, we had a cinema, The Ritz, but it closed in sort of late 70s or early 80s. So in some ways there, were, there was a kind of lack of, of opportunities um, to, you know, you couldn't just easily go to the theatre, you couldn't even easily go to the cinema. But in a way that also forced you back on your imagination. Yeah. Um, and it meant that those opportunities that you did get, you really valued. Yeah. And do you find that that has, you know, influenced your writing in many, and, and coloured, even though you might not write about political things, do you find that that seeps into your work at all or has yeah, done? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, a big part of what I write about is place, actually. Yeah. And that comes from where I come from. You know, that's that's to do with being a writer from this place um, or an, a, a writer from a kind of Irish tradition. Um, there's this notion in, in Irish writing of, you know, Din Shanachas. Yeah. The notion about writing about place, the, 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 the naming of places, the lore of places being very important. And that's always been really central to, to my writing. So the very first things I ever wrote properly were really rooted in place and really rooted in this place. The very first play I did um, was a play called The Grandfather Grave that was set here in Armagh. And it was writing that that really kind of freed something up in me because I had been trying to write before then. And, you know, I was writing about stuff I knew nothing about because I was trying to be political and, you know, this was the late 80s. Um, when I was at university and I wrote a terrible play about um, Green and Common. I mean, I knew absolutely nothing about Green and Common, but that felt like that's the sort of thing people write plays about. Um, I say I wrote, I wrote to play. I probably wrote about 10 pages or something, but you know, it was a, a thing I was working on. And then I started to write something um, that was in my own voice or the voice of my friends, uh, people I'd grown up with. And that was very freeing and I suddenly realized oh yeah maybe I can actually do this and that sort of continued I mean right up to now when I write 
the bay, I mean, the very title of the bay yeah. shows that it's rooted in a very specific Well, I was going to ask place. you about that because yeah. it is very much, mm. um, you know, the bay is obviously hugely successful, um, but it is very much, as you were just saying there, rooted in place. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it comes out of that sort of Dean Shanachas kind of tradition. Um, there's another idea that people talk about um, uh, psychogeography, you know, the stories of, of, of place. But I think Dinshanakis is, is, is the same as psychogeography. And it's something that I'm very, I'm very drawn to and always have been. And I wrote a film called Middletown. Yeah. Again, that was just, it's very rooted in, in, in place and, um, uh, you know, in the very kind of specific language and, um, and identities that are, you know, that you find in places like Armagh. Yeah. And do you find, yeah, that finding your voice like that, um, do you think, you know, is that the way writers, it, it generally happens for writers, you know, you'll be trying all different sorts of things and then, you know, everyone has their own voice, but eventually, you if you just let yourself? I think so. I mean, I think people often start by imitating as well, and that, that's quite valid. Everybody does that. To you would some have degree. people that you admire that you want to. Yeah, I suppose if you, yeah. if you if you're interested in you know Shane Senior or whoever it might be. Yeah, you start by trying to write like somebody else, and then out of that you can, if you're lucky, you can start to find what is your own distinctive um, voice. And what was the first um, major breakthrough for you? Um, in terms of your career after having left college? Well, I, I actually need to go back to um, university because there have the, been, been a few moments in my sort of creative life where I've just been very lucky. Um, I suppose going to school I went to and meeting Paul McVinchy is the beginning of that. But when I went to university, I was doing film and drama, but this was before creative writing as a kind of academic uh, subject, really, you know, there was maybe one or two universities doing that. Um, so I, I wasn't doing a creative writing course, but there was one module on the drama degree that was on playwriting, where you actually did have to write something. And so um, everybody wanted to do that course. Um, and so rather than choose on the basis of, you know, promise or any <laughs> talent or anything like that, they literally put everybody in a lecture theatre, put all our names in a hat. And there were maybe, I don't know, 50 or 60 students, and there were maybe 10 places on this module. Okay. Um, and they took names out of the hat, and my, my, my name was one of them. So it was nothing to do with whether you were, had any potential or anything? <laughs> no, it was absolutely... I suppose they probably didn't know the students Luck of the draw. Stage. No, yeah. it was literally luck of the draw. Um, but then when I was on that module that's when I started writing Grandfather Grave that's when I started to write this thing in the voice of um, my friends and myself and the kind of voice I'd grown up with and uh, at the end of that term we presented little sort of presentations of our work and people from the Royal Court Theatre in London came to see those um, and they liked what I was doing and so and I've probably written, you know, just like 10 pages of it or something at that point, but they liked it and they encouraged me to develop it into a full length play. And then that was put on at the Royal Court in the Young Writers Festival in 1990, I think it was. So 
so that was the first thing, you know, for me. Um, and it, it sort of, it changed everything in terms of, it was the first time I'd ever worked with actors. So it was the first time I'd written something that then people take off the page and put on the, on the stage, you know, and they kind of, uh, that in itself was uh, an extraordinary experience. And then it was also the first time I had anything presented in front of an audience. And you get the feedback of an audience and, you know, you get a laugh in the right moment and you get kind of tension in the right moment. And so all of that meant that at that stage, I just thought, well, this is this is absolutely what I want to do. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, so that was a big breakthrough. But from there, I mean, I must admit, it took me years to kind of get back to having, a, you know, uh, getting a full production. Well, it took me years to get a full production of, of, of a play. Yeah. I was still writing. I was still doing things and, you know, not just drama. I was writing poems and... Is it just a case of just plugging away and then hoping yeah. something sticks? Yeah, it, it, it is It is a, a case of just plugging away. I mean, there are lots of really, really talented writers who give up because there is a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of rejection, you know. Does it take a certain thick skin to yeah. be a writer? Because are probably the same with an actor or anybody in that sort of industry mm. is rejection. You have to be willing to, yeah. to accept rejection and then, you know, hopefully something... Does yeah. work out, but yeah. So yeah, you're doing I, it for yourself. I yeah. imagine it's a compulsion as well. It is. It is. And as I say, lots of very talented people give up because they can't deal with, or you know, for very understandable reasons, they decide this isn't good for me. You know, just constantly being rejected yeah. and criticised. Um, and then there are other people who are just stubborn, and I think that's where I am. Uh, where you just kind of you sort of know you've got to do something. You've got a niche that you want to scratch. And yeah. I, don't think I could give up and I've never been in that moment of thinking you know I, I think I'll just jack this in um, because I've just it's 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 what I wanted to do from when I was a kid and so I'm, I'm, you probably just couldn't stop I don't think so to, yeah yeah, yeah. So, but there is a kind of pig-headedness about that as well yeah you know there's just a sort of stubbornness Get ready to shake up summer with the Get Active ABC Sunshine Phil programme for kids and families. Get set for land-based adventure at our summer schemes, or why not get adventurous and maybe get wet at our Splashtastic Water Sports Summer programme. There are so many things to do, and all we need is you. See getactiveabc.com summer for all the details. Are you the kind of writer now who would um, sit at the end of the, uh, you know, have your shed, Rodal shed at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the garden, and just get up at nine o'clock in the morning? You're very disciplined. I'm going to write, or do you wait until inspiration hits you? Or no, I do. I work. Um, I work. I work hard at it. I, uh, you know, certainly when you're working like I do now in television. The idea that you could sit around waiting for inspiration to strike is for the birds. You yeah. know, that just doesn't, you know, you've got rolling deadlines all the time. I mean, at the moment I'm working on series four of the Bay. Yeah. And I've just got a whole series of deadlines that I've had all year and we start shooting in 
in June. So there's kind of over the next weeks and months, there's a kind of series of deadlines. That do I deadlines have. help? Yeah, they do. They do. Because yeah. if you didn't have a deadline, you'd just procrastinate forever. They focus the mind. <laughs> yeah, they kind of really make you concentrate. And um, no, I'm, I'm uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I like a deadline. I like a deadline. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I, I write every day. I, I kind of have to. Um, just sort of hit the, you know, just to get the work done that that, that is required. But you also you also teach as well, yeah. so you know that's probably quite time consuming too. I know it's a bit daft. I, I teach uh, at Birkbeck in London, um, University of London, um, so I kind of have two full time jobs. But in a way, that must be you know you know that you, I mean obviously at your stage of your career because you're hugely successful. Um, it isn't an issue, but for anybody else who's an aspiring writer, I suppose having something like that in the background is probably helpful because if you don't know what's going to get yeah. published or you don't know what's going to work. Yeah, and I mean, I've taught for years and um, I come from a family of teachers. My mum te was a teacher and my brother's a teacher. My two of my brothers are teachers and I just come from a, 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 a family of teachers. And um, I've taught creative writing in universities since... Um, 1998, I became writer in residence at Queens in Belfast, and since then, mostly I've I've combined writing with teaching. And actually, I don't see a huge difference between the two things. Um, you know, all of the things I think about when I'm sat at my desk during the day, uh, working on scripts for the bay. You know, I, I'll be thinking about character and plot and you know, dialogue and subtext and dramatic action and, you know, all of these things. And then when I'm teaching, those are exactly the things I'm also focusing on when I'm talking to students. Um, so it's all, it's all part of the same, um, the same process. Really. Yeah, and it's all connected. Yeah. But it's, it, it, the only thing to say about it is a bit knackering because, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know. Um, but your wife is a writer too. Yes. Yeah. What about your kids? And um, they have to be creative. I mean, they could not. They are. They are. I mean, my son Dan has recently started. He's, he's just gone to university to do film um, in Bath, and he's just started oh, writing. Bath is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is. He's he loves it there, and he's just started writing for a website, and he writes reviews and uh, pieces about. Um, he's really passionate about. He's a huge movie fan. He's also really into his kind of comics and graphic novels and stuff. So oh, he writes about that. And then Aoife, my daughter, is, uh, well, she's 14 and she's into everything and she's very, you know, she's very talented and musical and, yeah, so we're... You're a creative of, household. A, a creative family, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Joe, my wife, is a novelist. Yeah. And it's kind of useful. We're both writers, but we work in totally different fields. So we're not kind of treading on each other's toes, which I think is helpful. It yeah. might be trickier if I was trying to write a novel or... Joe was trying to write a screenplay, we might, you know, uh, uh, that just might be trickier to handle, but because we work in very different fields, we can, um, we can read each other's work and, 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 and talk about it. Do you like, do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, I think, um, yeah, I think that's important, you know, to have someone who you really trust to read your work. Yeah. Um, so I, I so they can, they will be brutally honest with you and give you their opinion with no yeah well yeah. I suppose you're going to get that anyway but at the same time it's nice to have yeah yeah it's it's just it's just really useful to have someone you you completely trust to tell you the truth you know 
Um, it can be difficult. Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes but because you're both in the same field, but you will mm. understand. You will understand that of each other, and as yeah. well as that, even things like, you know, we're talking about deadlines and everything. You know, you, you're if you've got you're, if your wife is a writer, she knows that you know. Or likewise with you with her. You know, if you walk into the room and if you break somebody's concentration when they're in the middle of the train, so, you know, or mm. anything like that, somebody who understands all that is like, mm. okay, right, yeah, I know, you know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That must be very helpful. Yeah, it, it does help. Of course, we've got two kids as well, so there's, <laughs> you know, we also have to be a bit flexible. Yeah. Um, so while we try and carve out the time that you need, because there is, you know, you do need to have dedicated time for the work, and you, you want ideally what you want to get into is that sort of process of flow, where you almost, you know, the best experiences are when you're writing. And you completely get lost in it and you know you've just made a cup of tea and you're working and then you lift your cup of tea and it's freezing cold because actually a couple of hours have passed yeah, and you didn't even notice yeah. and that kind of that takes a lot of concentration and, yeah um and uh you know just to kind of get that that space um but yeah you also have to be practical that sometimes you know kids need their lunch or <laughs> whatever <laughs> And in terms of now the working between um, writing plays and then writing the films that you've done, like there is there is there a big difference, you know, yeah. screenwriting in that way? Which do you, which do you prefer? Do you have a preference? Or? Um, I don't have a preference. I don't think because I love both, and I suppose I still primarily think of myself as a playwright because that's where I started. Um, and while I haven't written a play in a while because I've been so busy with screenwriting, I'm sort of itching to to get back to writing, uh, to writing for the theatre. Um, I mean, in some ways they're, in some ways they're the same job, um, because you are thinking, as I say, you're thinking about plot and character and dialogue and dramatic action and subtext and all of those things, um, and that's whether you're writing for the screen or writing for the stage. But on the other hand. There's a kind of diff. There's well, there's a lot of technical differences, um, and there's a different kind of emphasis between writing for the stage and writing for the screen, in the sense of the the balance of visual thinking and language is different. If you see what I mean, I think I mean, what what I always say is that when you're writing for the stage. You're telling a story in words supported by images. When you're telling a story on the screen, you're telling the story in images supported by words. All right. So, in other words, when you're when you're writing a screenplay, you're primarily thinking visually. You're always trying to think about keeping the story moving visually, telling the story without words as much as possible. Um, whereas on stage, while you are creating kind of visual pictures, of course. The language does a lot more of the heavy lifting, so you can do you can write the big speech, um, or you can you can allow the language to push into kind of more poetic, um, lyrical kind of um, terms. Doesn't have to be necessarily as naturalistic, maybe as writing for the screen. Well, that's tends it. To yeah, be. it tends to be much more yeah mm. dramatic and yeah, and you can usually tell um, anything that's on the screen that's adapted from a play. You can tell. Mm. You know, monologues and yeah, it starts. It sometimes can feel well, it can feel theatrical. It can feel a bit overwritten. Yeah. Um, so there are there are big differences between the two. I find when I 
I, I wrote a play about the filmmakers, actually, funnily enough, um, Mitchell and Kenyon. Yes. Um, and that was, I don't know, 2014, 2014 was it? Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that was the first time I'd written a play in a while, and I'd been writing for television, writing on other people's shows. Um, and then I got a chance to write this play for the Jukes in Lancaster, and it was the most theatrical thing I've ever done. And I think it was because, I would, and this wasn't conscious, but it was because I'd been writing for screen. And suddenly I was able to do things that, because writing for stage in some ways is freer. Um, so I could have characters suddenly bursting into song. Um, or you know, going into kind of fantasy sort of sequences and things that I couldn't quite have done on on, on screen, um, but suddenly I was free to to do. And I suppose that's kind of what I'm itching to do now is to kind of write something that uh, where you can kind of let that kind of lyrical side so have you, free reign. You know. Yeah, and you've 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 worked with some fantastic actors. I was just thinking when you were talking there about him. Um, um, Robert Sheen is one yeah. person who, and I actually just saw him in Endgame. Oh, um, brilliant. Yeah, in The yeah. Gate in Dublin. Mm. And he was fantastic. And he's an actor that's gone from, obviously gone from screen mm. to the stage. Um, but you've, you've worked with um, you know, Matthew McFadden, the best, who was in the best television show ever in the world, yes. Succession. But yes. that was before he was, obviously yeah. that was before he was, he hit the big time. Yeah. But um and Eva Burst was so she won the she won a, a best actress for Middletown, didn't she? she? Did, and yeah. Middletown itself was yeah. nominated for a bunch of awards at the yes. at the IFTAS. Yeah, um I loved work I mean that's you know as I said earlier, working with actors is part of just the very first experience when I was doing like a um grandfather grave and just being in a room with actors as they kind of bring the stuff to life was incredible. And that's you know, that continues to be a, a sort of fascination of mine and sort of highlight of my writing life is working with the people I've worked with. Um, the people who can just transform something you've written uh, and, and bring it to life, but in a way that you've never quite well, That's seen. what I was going to ask you. Yeah. If you. When you write something, if you have, do you have, ever have in your head beforehand, right, can you visualize, say, right, I want, I'm writing this for a specific person, thinking that that actor will, will bring mm -hmm. to life the way you imagine it, or do, does, you know, does the casting come afterwards? And it depends where you're at um, with, the, with the project. If I'm writing something completely new, I genuinely try not to think about actors, um, because I'm trying to think really about character. And I've found sometimes if you're think, writing for a particular, with a particular actor in mind, sometimes it can be a bit limiting and you start writing towards things you know that actor can do rather than writing really truthfully about character. But it's different now with something like The Bay where we've got a returning series. So um, I know because, you know, our core cast, the, the yeah. sort of police family, will come back every year. Yeah. And so I, I've got to know those actors quite well. Um, you know, an actor like Dan Ryan, who's been in the show since day one. And so they they are in my mind. But I'm usually trying to think about, well, what haven't we done? You know, I'm trying to not kind of repeat greatest hits of, you know, I know this actor's really good at this, so I'll do some more of that. But actually yeah. try and push. Because I think that's the way to that's the way to 
to make the work stronger is to try and find what's what's new. What what are the kind of new layers of this character that we haven't revealed before? Yeah, and that's going to be more exciting for the actor as well, rather than you know repetition. Yeah, because the greatest, the best shows that I've ever I ever watch or anybody I assume you know is when when characters the depth of characters is gradually like revealed and yeah. defined because everybody there's nothing worse than um, something that's written that's just one note and that's just yeah. you know you know surface level and you don't have any depth of character yeah. when you look at you know when you look at shows like Breaking Bad or when you look at yeah. you know any of those The Sopranos yeah. any of those yeah. sort of shows that really really you know mm. get into the characters as human beings and they're yeah. not just written there's no like goodies and baddies and that's the end yeah, of it because yeah, yeah. people yeah. are complicated and that's what yeah. makes it interesting and I think that's what you want to look for you want to look for the kind of complex complexity of character you're always trying to sort of dig deeper into into character and I'm always saying this to my students but I'm always saying it to myself as well um, I mean I think that people who aren't sort of writers or don't work in this kind of industry might not realize is how many drafts that scripts go through um, you know I, I can't even tell you how many drafts something on, on the bag goes through but many 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 drafts mm. and that's not to say that you've written a first draft and it's terrible so you need to scrap it and start over it's actually just because the writing of different drafts is about it's it's about those kind of layers you're talking about with characters so you can you can do a draft that's all about just kind of getting the story organized but then there are other drafts that are about, okay, so we know the shape of the story now, but let's dig deeper into character. Let's be more surprising. And in a, in a way, I mean, you can do too many drafts as well. That does happen where you can get to a point where you slightly lose it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I find generally the more drafts you do, the, the, the more original the, the work can get, strangely. And the deeper you can go into into character, so it really repairs taking that time, um, just doing draft after draft. Yeah, and and female characters as well. Um, you obviously have you know strong female leads in in the bay, mm. and um, is that something that's coming into people's work? Is that something that's consciously, you know, in you know in recent years? Is this you know you see a lot of more female writers and you see a lot more female characters being written into things in, and women being uh, written in different different ways yeah is have you found that you know over the years yeah i mean i i mean the bay came about for I mean, it's a conjunction of things but one of them was just coming across this idea of the family liaison officer as a role within the police and then I did a lot of research and I met a lot of family liaison officers. And I did meet male ones, uh, at least I met one, I think, bloke who was a family liaison officer. But most of the flows I met were women. Yeah. And I was also just more interested in writing a, a woman as the central character. Um, I can't really explain that, why that was. And it certainly wasn't any conscious attempt to be um, you know progressive or uh, you know it wasn't it was a creative decision yeah and it just sort of felt like I suppose it sort of felt like well we've seen so many stories of kind of male detectives solving crimes 
Um, and it just felt more interesting to me. I knew I wanted to write about family liaison officer and I knew I wanted to write about family. So I wanted the show to be a crime drama, but also a family drama. And uh, the central character being a woman who's kind of struggling to deal with her own family life while at the same time in work, her job is to deal with families going through trauma. That just felt really, uh, it just felt really exciting. Um, so yeah, so the, the central character was always, was always going to be a woman. Yeah. And the, I, I think I read somewhere that you're, you, you want to um, write something based in Northern Ireland. Mm. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Dara. Um, apologies for some technical difficulties um, at the end there. Um, we were cut off prematurely, so um, sorry about that. Dara um, gave us a bit of insight there into what it's like to write a hit TV show. And um, hopefully he inspired some people to just follow their dreams. And you never know, he might end up where he is today. Remember to keep getting all of your news from RMI and I hope you join us next time for our podcast. From the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the we see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney Competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see mckinneycompetitions.com.